0: is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI, News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham, and KGMI.com.
1: Welcome to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. And just a quick note, I want to kind of apologize for the fact that last Sunday's show was a replay from the week before that. It was supposed to have been a replay of Saturday's show where I did kind of a combination, but... Anyway, we're going to go ahead and give you this week's show and it's nice and fresh material and we're going to start talking out about the housing outlook for 2024. And just because we think the economy is headed for a recession doesn't mean we think the housing market is going to get killed. The housing market was a mixed bag in 23. Housing starts and existing home sales were weak while new home sales and home prices rose, in spite of the highest mortgage rates in 20 years. This year, we expect modest gains all around – modest gains in housing starts, modest gains in sales, and modest gains in prices. A recession by itself would have a negative effect on housing, but there are so many other factors affecting housing that we think the sector would weather the economic storm. In terms of construction, builders started fewer homes in 23 than in 22, which was already down from the COVID peak of 21. The builders have been consistently building too few homes since the bursting of the housing bubble about 15 years ago. So, as a result, we expect a turnaround in 2024. However, the gains should be concentrated in single-family homes. The number of multi-family homes – think about apartments and condos under construction – is at an all-time high already. In terms of sales, We think it will be hard for the existing home market to get any worse in 2024. Sales have been handcuffed in 2022 and 3 for two reasons. First, temporary indigestion as mortgage rates rose. Second, homeowners who borrowed money in the rock bottom mortgage rates in 20 and 21 have been very reluctant to sell. Who in their right mind would give up a mortgage with a fixed rate of something like two and three quarters percent, locked in for 15 or even 30 years? But with each passing year, a gradually smaller share of homeowners is going to be locked in with those rock-bottom mortgage rates. Some of them will move anyhow, for one reason or another. In addition, mortgage rates should be lower this year than in 2023, helping boost sales among some prospective buyers and sellers. Meanwhile, new home sales were up in 2023 and they should continue to grow in 24. Lower mortgage rates should help a little, as will the construction of more single-family homes. But the biggest surprise in the housing market last year was that prices increased consistently after falling in the second half of 2022. Through the first 10 months of 23, the National Case Schiller Index of FHFA index were both up roughly 6%. We think the continued resilience of home prices largely reflects a lack of supply. However, a faster pace of construction in 2024 should put a ceiling on price gains in the year ahead. And the business cycle hasn't been normal since COVID hit in 2020. COVID led to a massive surge in government stimulus both monetary and fiscal to fight widespread and overly draconian shutdowns. That was followed by tighter money in 22 and 3, although the government spending was continued to gush. Meanwhile, in certain ways, housing is still recovering from the housing bust that followed the bubble that peaked before the financial crisis in 2008 and 2009. So let's put it all together, we have a recipe for general improvement in housing even as the rest of the U.S. economy could possibly slow down. Let's take a look at our global roundup this week. We found that rate cut expectations have been trimmed. Global equities fell during the week as investors pared back bets that the developed market central banks will begin trimming interest rates in the first quarter. The yield on the U.S. 10-year Treasury note rose to 4% plus F from a year ago, a level of 3.88%, amid heavy issuance of U.S. investment-grade debt, strong U.S. employment data, and the anticipation of a slower pace of rate cuts. The price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude Rose two dollars and twenty cents to seventy-four eighty amid the continued disruption in the Red Sea shipping traffic and on the shutdown of a Lib- Libyan oil field due to protests. Volatility as measured by the CBOE Volatility Index or VIX. Rose from twelve fifty at the end of two thousand twenty-three to thirteen point five, and we saw the U.S. yield rise after strong December payrolls. Markets pair back bets that the U.S. Federal Reserve will begin cutting rates as early as March, as December non-farm payrolls rose a stronger-than-expected 216,000. Unemployment held steady at 3.7%. Average hourly earnings rose 4.1% year-over-year ahead of the data. Yields have been rising all week amid the heavy issuance of U.S. investment-grade corporate debt, but the employment report helped send yields back briefly towards 4.1%. A sizable downward revision of 71,000 jobs to the prior two months of non-farm payrolls took a little bit of the sting out of the strong December report, but the odds of a March cut and in interest rates fell to 60% after ending 2023 at 100%. We're also seeing a soft service sector data that cheers bond bulls as U.S. Purchasing Matters report managers reported a sharp slowdown in orders in December, dragging down the Institute of Supply Management's non-manufacturing PMI to 50.6 from 52.7 in November. The unexpectedly weak showing saw bond yields reverse after early losses and drop back below 4% from near 4.1% after the upbeat employment report. We're seeing Red Sea attack disruptions are starting to reintroduce supply chain kinks. Repeated attacks on global shipping in the Red Sea by the Houthi militias have prompted skippers to reroute around Africa much of the freight that would normally trans the the Suez Canal, delaying and making more expensive the transportation of goods flowing between Asia and Europe. Meanwhile, tensions in the region mounted further as Iran moved a warship into the Red Sea and the United States, Great Britain and Australia pledged to hold malign actors accountable if the attacks continue. The cost to transport a typical 40-foot shipping container by sea has doubled to above $4,000, according to Reuters, with shipments to the Mediterranean now costing as much as $6,000. A trip around the Cape of of good hope takes between seven and 20 days longer u.s imports are being impacted as well with upwards of 30 percent of cargo arriving in the u.s east coast typically traveling through the suez canal if persistent higher costs could put upward pressures on inflation and the federal open market many minutes at stage for rate cuts eventually The minutes of the December meeting of the Federal Open Market Committee dampened market expectations that the Fed could cut rates as early as March, but laid the groundwork for Easter policy. As 2024 progresses, so long as inflation continues to ease. The minutes show the members felt it appropriate for the committee to begin discussing slowing the pace of quantitative tightening. However, many members noted that an easing in financial conditions beyond what is appropriate could make it more difficult for the Fed to reach its inflation goal. Conditions eased dramatically in the final months of 2023, but they have tightened modestly so far this year as stocks have declined and bond yields have rose. And a couple quick hits here, we're seeing the mid-phase out of energy subsidies for consumers and businesses. Eurozone inflation rose 2.9% year over year in December. That was up from November's 2.4% pace, that's the first rise in six months. Though the core measure continued to decline, falling to 3.4%. And we saw an earthquake in the Sea of Japan early on New Year's Day, killed at least 84 people, heavily damaged parts of Japan's Ishikawa prefecture, and the, the end met, weakened this week amid speculation the Bank of Japan would delay for months any move to normalize its negative interest rate policy in the wake of tragedy, maintaining the current ultra-easy policy to cushion the country's economy. And this week, the U.S. national debt rose above $34 trillion for the first time. And that didn't take long. Better keep track of that one. We'll be right back. Psst. Psst.
0: Hey you! No, no, it's not your phone. It's me. The
2: radio. Turn me up. You need to hear this.
3: Looking for new furniture or a new mattress? Box Drop is the spot. Box Drop always offers thirty to eighty percent off retail prices on brand new furniture and mattresses with easy financing available. Stop by in Sequoia Drive off Cordata Parkway, or find Box Drop Bellingham on social media. Comfort and style await at Box Drop Bellingham. Delivery available.
0: Wilson's Furniture's winter sale is going on now. Your chance to save store-wide on living, dining, bedroom furniture and mattresses at the best prices of the year. Stop at Wilson's Furniture today. It's Wilson's Furniture's annual winter sale going on now. Wilson's on Pacific Highway in Ferndale.
3: The YMCA is just a starting line for the true self-blooms only when we find our purpose, what makes us tick below the surface. Why is the before-work hustle and after-school home A section of my block, a corner to call my own. With my why, I stand strong, seen and supported all along. It's a million faces in a mirror and everyone belongs. Find your why. Join today at YMCA.org for a better us.
0: CHS Northwest specializes in timely deliveries of warmth, comfort, safety, and savings. CHS Northwest is now delivering propane in your neighborhood. Call today and sign up for a whole new service experience for your propane. CHS Northwest, everything you need for home and farm. Get informed and inspired with Saturday Morning Live on KGMI. Join a group of knowledgeable hosts as they present a variety of guests and viewpoints on issues important to our area and to you and your family. Sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC at Linden Sheet Metal each Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com.
2: The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all things were gone Work for
1: all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up, Dick donahue with you this Sunday morning here on KGMI. We're Asset Advisors. We're located out on the Pacific Highway on your way to Ferndale, in the Pacific Commerce Center on the right. Right out there by Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101 Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number, 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Okay, continuing on with our quick hits. For the week, we saw that China's President Xi Jinping, in his New Year's address, said that China's reunification with Taiwan is inevitable. And we saw that the International Monetary Fund Managing Director said Tuesday that the U.S. economy is definitely in line for a soft landing after the Fed raised rates without pushing the economy into a recession. In 2023, according to data compiled by Bloomberg, the U.S. overtook Qatar and Australia to become the largest global exporter of liquefied natural gas. And the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis appointed former New York Fed economist and hedge fund manager Alberto Mazzullum as its president after the departure of James Bullard. Mozulum was a native of Bogota, Colombia. And I'll say this much, James Bullard was one of the really good Fed governors. They are going to miss him. Just for a week before Taiwan's presidential election, the final polls show that Vice President Ling Chang-Ti of the Democratic Progressive Party, which supports Taiwan's independence, is leading the more Beijing-friendly party by an average of 5 percentage points and Taiwan's People's Party by 12%. The DPP's Thais Tsai Ing-wen, who has held Taiwan's presidency since 2016, is barred from running for a third term. U.S. money market assets rose to just shy of $6 trillion this week, according to data from the Investment Company Institute. And in a sign that U.S. labor market is cooling, job openings in November fell 8.790 million from 8.85 million in October. That's the lowest level of unfilled job openings in more than two years. However, weekly jobless claims data show layoffs remain low, having fallen to 202000 in the final week of 2023. And Canada's unemployment rate held steady at 5.8% in December, with net employment unchanged. Okay, looking at our U.S. employment report for the month of December, a little more detail here. Not as strong as the headline, but also hard for the Federal Reserve to start cutting rates soon. Non-farm payrolls rose 216,000 in December. That's beating consensus expected of 175,000. So so far so good. However, revisions to prior months subtracted 71,000 from payrolls, bringing the net gain to 145,000. And private payrolls rose 164,000 in December, were up a moderate 109,000, including downward revisions to prior months. In the past year, payrolls are up about 2.7 million, but in civilian employment, which is an alternative measure of jobs and includes small business startups, is up a smaller 1.9 million. That kind of gap, where payroll measures of jobs is growing notably faster than civilian employment, is sometimes a harbanger of recessions. Meanwhile, the average work week in the private sector ticked down to 34.3 hours in December from 34.4 in November. So as a result, total private hours work declined two-tenths of 1% in December, which is obviously not a sign of strength. For 2023 as a whole, payrolls rose a solid $225,000 per month. We like to follow payrolls excluding government because it's not the private sector, education and health services because of stru- it rises for structural and demographic reasons and usually doesn't decline even if in recession years, and leisure and hospitality, which is still recovering from COVID lockdowns. In the last seven months, this core measure of payrolls is up only 3000 per month. That's a pace that in the past has usually been associated with recessions. Notably, the worst two sectors for payrolls in December were temps, down 33000 Couriers and messengers were also down 32000 You can expect more sectors with negative numbers to appear in the next few months. However, that doesn't mean that the Federal Reserve will start cutting short-term interest rates in the next meeting on January thirty-first. Average hourly wages rose four-tenths of 1% in December. They're still up 4.1% from a year ago, which is higher than the Fed thinks is consistent with its 2% inflation goal. The M2 measure of the money supply is down versus a year ago and the yield curve is inverted. We continue to think this is a recipe for risk aversion among businesses. Labor market is often lagging, a lagging indicator and we expect the economy, which is real output, to weaken before employers stop hiring on net. Expect continued job growth for the next few months, but a weakening and recessionary labor market is headed our way. And we got the December ISM Manufacturing Index report out and the Institute of Supply Management tied a bow on what was a lousy year for the U.S. manufacturing sector as activity contracted for the 14th consecutive month, which is the longest streak since the aftermath of the 2000 and 2001 recession. Looking at the big picture during COVID, a combination of shelter-in-place orders and extra compensation from the government in the form of stimulus checks and abnormally large unemployment benefits artificially boosted goods-related activity. Then the economy reopened and consumers began shifting their spending preferences back to a more normal mix, away from goods and back to services. The ISM index peaked in March of 21. The last month federal stimulus checks were sent out. It's been on a downward trajectory since. We continue to believe a recession is lurking in the year ahead and details of the report suggest the goods sector of the economy is likely to lead the way. On the surface level, just one out of 18 major industries' primary metals reported growth in December. Despite sluggish activities, survey comments were surprisingly upbeat, largely due to the optimism around the Federal Reserve's effectively declaring mission accomplished in their meetings in December, which they believe will encourage more companies to resume spending on capital investments. The lack of new investment can be most easily seen in the index for new orders, which fell further into contraction territory in December and is set below 50 for 16 consecutive months. That's the longest streak since the early 1980s. Meanwhile, the production index continued to come in choppy and has bounced around 50 for most of 2023. With new orders down, but production skating along, the backlog of orders continues to contract. Now for 15 consecutive months, something has to give. Either new orders pick up or production falls. We expect the latter. Finally, in the inflation front, the prices index fell in December, has been sitting in contraction territory for the last eight months, showing that tighter money since 2022 is gaining traction against inflation. In other recent news, construction spending increased four-tenths of 1% in November. The gain was driven by a large increase in home building and manufacturing projects with more than offset smaller declines across most other categories. We also had the December ISM Non-Manufacturing Index report come out this week. And activity in the service sector expanded in December, but the pace was markedly slower. The headline index declined to 50.6 in December, missing the consensus expected 52.5 with just half of the 18 major industries reporting growth. Part of the drop is attributed to a pullback in New Orders Index, which fell to 52.8 after remaining unchanged at 55.5 the two months prior. However, business activity, which is the other forward-looking piece of the report, increased to a healthy 56.6. The most concerning piece of the report came from movement in the Employment Index which activity contracted sharply in December. The December 43.3 reading for Employment Index is the lowest since the depths of the COVID pandemic back in 2020. Notably, employment comments from survey respondents cited difficulty hiring and retaining skilled workers due to their preference for remote work. Other companies are increasing layoffs in an effort to do more with less given economic uncertainty and declining customer demand. The highest reading out of any of the categories continues to come from the prices index, which declined to a still elevated 57.4 in December. Although this is well below the back breaking pace from 21 and 22, make no mistake, prices are still rising. Inflation remains a problem in the service sector. When you contrast the details of this report with the December ISM report of manufacturing sector, where activity was contracted 14 consecutive months and just one industry reported growth in December, there's clearly been a divergence in activity where output has been shifting back towards services following the COVID era, when goods related activity was artificially boosted. The service sector has a lifeline for the US economy in 23. So what do we expect in the year ahead? more weakening in the service sector as the impact of the recent reductions in the m2 measure of money supply make their way through the economy we continue to believe a recession is on the way investors should remain vigilant in there as we navigate these unprecedented times dick donahue with you with wealth wake up on kgmi we'll be right back we don't
0: have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city But sometimes, things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. A conservative take on issues important to Watcom County and the Pacific Northwest. This sounds crazy that you're going to tell the schools you must do extra service for those kids with learning difficulties. But when it comes to especially gifted kids,
1: we can't give them special classes because it doesn't include a sufficient percentage of kids of color. Yes, that's
3: what's actually happening in
0: Washington State. Lars Larson, noon to three each weekday on KGMI.
3: You've earned your retirement and you're ready to fully embrace it. So why not do it with style at Meadow Greens Retirement? You'll enjoy active, independent living with amenities like the library lounge, wellness program, and expansive social calendar. Indulge in three daily meals made from scratch, get pampered at the on-site salon, and join in for Friday night socials. Meadow Greens is active retirement, the only locally owned retirement facility in the county with one and two bedroom apartments with full kitchens offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a meal at the Outward Nine or the Duck Hook Bistro. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living.
2: Hi, I'm Josh Howe, director here at Meadow Greens. I'd like to personally invite you to come to our community. I look forward to showing you all that we have to offer. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354 8200
0: and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. Bundle and save at DeWard & Bodie on select appliance pairs and packages and get exclusive cash back rebates up to $500. When you buy more, you save more on the best selection of appliances from top-rated brands like Whirlpool, Maytag, and KitchenAid. With purchase of eligible in-stock appliances, get up to $500 cash back fill in rebate from DeWard & Bodie. Now is the time to upgrade and save on washers and dryers, oven and microwave combos, and full kitchen suites only at DeWard & Bodie.
2: This is Heidi Person, General Manager of the Cascade Radio Group, with a look at some good news in our community that we like to call The Upside.
0: This holiday season, Brown and Brown of Linden's 12th Annual Turkey Drive distributed 288 turkeys to Watcom County families in need. The more than 3,700 pounds of turkey were distributed by Bellingham Food Bank and Linden-based Project Hope Food Bank. The turkeys were purchased with $2,000 from Brown and Brown Insurance, almost $1,700 from Brown and Brown team members who held a bake sale and luncheons, and more than $3,800 from community members and businesses. This is the 12th year for the Annual Turkey Drive, and thanks again to Brown and Brown and everyone who donated.
3: The Upside is brought to you by R.B. Wick and Bellingham Coin Shop. Stop by today for a free coin or antique evaluation. 1806 Cornwall, one block south of Bellingham High School or at BellinghamCoinShop.com.
2: If you have good news to report, email it to us at the upside at CascadeRadioGroup.com jump for joy because Summit Adventure Park in Bellingham is coming to PNW perks this Thursday you can score a two-hour jump pass for two at Summit Adventure Park for half the price this Thursday at pnwperks.com don't get stuck inside this winter get to Summit Adventure Park the place for fun exercise and the best birthday parties with high performance trampolines giant slides dodgeball wall climbing and so much more you'll love Summit's new monthly membership become a member for just 25 bucks and jump for two hours every day for just 25 bucks a month plus summit has the best birthday packages in town invite all your friends for two hours of fun including pizza and no cleanup for mom and dad either and monthly members receive 20 percent off the best birthday parties head to summit.com for more information on memberships and birthday parties and this thursday at pnwperks.com get a two-hour jump pass for two at summit adventure park for the price of one summit adventure park on meridian next to home goods in bellingham
0: the mysterious the obscure In some cases, it is the animal reactions that led to the sighting. Coast to coast. In France, Marius de Wilde said that his barking dog caused him to go outside to see what had startled it. He saw something on the nearby railroad tracks and then two small creatures. A beam of light shot out from that object momentarily paralyzing him. Every night at 10 p.m. and beyond on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems, 0% interest financing, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Rely on West Mechanical heating, air conditioning, and electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com.
1: Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Downey with you this Sunday morning. Thank you for being with us. You know, let's start out this segment talking about three myths about investing for retirement. You know, whether you've been told about your retirement odds are that it's wrong, saving enough for retirement, investing the right way, are truly among the hardest of all financial problems. In many ways, it's more difficult than running a large endowment or a hedge fund. And yet, we must all do it. The challenge to make your money last a lifeline while facing uncertainty about the future of markets, your income, your health, your longevity. Meanwhile, all the misinformation and bad advice out there makes retirement finance harder than it needs to be. In an effort to make things a little easier, here are three myths about retirement. Myth number one, the goal of retirement finance is to maximize the return on your portfolio. The idea of maximizing returns is the original sin of retirement investing. I blame the evolution of wealth management. For many years, most Americans did not invest in financial markets. In 1962, only about 23% of U.S. households owned stock and most tended to be very rich. Their goal was to keep their pile of money as big as possible. There were pension funds that invested for retirement, but they did so on behalf of many people of different ages so they had more scope to diversity. But when people started living longer and wanted to be less dependent on their families, while the benefit pensioners largely replaced by individual accounts, suddenly over a few decades a majority of households had to invest in their own retirement and the same strategies and conventional wisdom given to rich investors which applied to middle class retirement investors. That was a mistake. If you just need to maintain a big pot of money, then returns of any given day, month or year do matter. If you are financing an income stream that needs to continue decades into the future, a different investing strategy and the way of judging performance are required. You're essentially prepaying to buy a 20-year inflation index bond. Its value depends on both the future long-term interest rates and asset returns. But people tend to judge performance on returns only on a given day. As a result, they're too focused on the short-term and their account balance when they should be thinking about the income that their assets one day will provide. The result is many savers have no idea how much money that they can spend in retirement. Myth number two and that is a retirement crisis is inevitable because most people have not saved enough. The fact that there aren't good ways to measure or invest for retirement income has created confusion and insecurity about how much money people need to retire majority of people think that they don't have enough to live comfortably. Obviously, it would be better if everyone saved more and lots of people don't have enough to retire the way they'd like. But compared to previous generations, most Americans will be better off in retirement income-wise. True, defined benefit pensions used to be more common and were more generous. But even in their heyday, most people didn't have them. Individual accounts are cheaper to offer and regulation encourages them, and the result is that more people have retirement savings and exposure to the stock market. This may explain why people are able to spend more in retirement than previous generations. Many retirees are also in better health, have more and better options for part-time flexible work. The bottom line is that today's retirees have a better standard of living than previous generations did. And myth number three, social security will be fine, but you won't get it. Americans have contradictory feelings about social security. On one hand, they're resistant both to reducing benefits and to paying higher taxes themselves to fund them. On the other, nearly half of Americans don't think that they'll ever see benefits paid to them. In fact, the opposite is true. Yes, social Security is in trouble, it needs to be reformed, ideally with some combination of higher taxes, lower benefits and a later retirement age. But no matter what happens, pretty much everyone alive today will get their benefits in some form. True, Social Security program will not be able to pay full benefits in 2024 when it's going to take less in revenue than it pays out. The so-called trust fund or lockbox that we used to hear about to finance the difference is no more than an accounting device. If nothing is done, benefits will need to be cut by about 25%. It's also true that this obligation is going to grow as the population ages, exponentially so if interest rates stay high or go higher. But all that said, when push comes to shove, retirees tend to be the first ones paid. They vote, they have lots of political power otherwise, and are generally sympathetic. It's likely that younger taxpayers will shoulder the burden and make do with fewer services and less spending and other priorities. So even if many pundits remain in denial about the economics, the politics make it pretty safe bet to plan on getting your Social Security benefits. What it adds up to is one of those bad news, good news stories. Too many Americans are thinking about their retirement investing all wrong, but they're probably better off than what they think. Well, well, talk about the good and the bad. We'll talk about wealth taxes. <laughs> we do expect them to remain a hot topic this year. Wealth taxes continue to be a political hot potato, with proposals being pushed on the national and state levels, and the U.S. Supreme Court expected to soon rule on whether such levies are constitutional. We're finding as advisors they say that clients should be aware of the implications of wealth taxes since the idea continues to gain momentum in Washington, D.C. and in some states. Wealth taxes have continuously been discussed by the federal government and multiple states in the past, and each proposal has its own nuances. California recently proposed taxing the richest state tax residents 1 to 1.5% each year of their wealth, in addition to their sizable income taxes. New York proposal had a different twist, taxing unrealized gains as the close of each year, regardless of whether any assets were sold. And the Biden administration introduced a series of taxes aimed at soaking the wealthiest Americans with additional taxes and minimum annual income tax rate of 25% for households with net worth exceeding $100 million. We also had the U.S. Senate Finance Committee Chair Ron Wyden of Oregon, also recently joined 15 other Democratic senators, introducing the Billionaires' Income Tax Act, which is designed to close loopholes for the ultra wealthy. Among other measures, the MAC would curtail buy, borrow, die, a tactic by which the ultra wealthy buy assets that appreciate, borrow against the assets' growing untaxed value. And then pass on the assets to heirs often tax-free because of stepped-up basis. The proposal would apply to taxpayers with more than a billion dollars in assets or more than a hundred million in income for three consecutive years. Billionaires' tradable assets such as stocks that can be valued annually would be marked to market each year and the gains or losses calculated for tax purposes. You know, it would hit the wealthy hard because it proposes a tax assets rather than income and unrealized gains, or realized gains. The wealthy suggest that this will be a very negative impact on them personally and unintended consequences on the economy by incentivizing investors to sell assets that otherwise wouldn't be sold or perhaps look for new avenues to shelter assets. The wealth can take on, in many forms... The 2025 sunset of many provisions of what the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, though not a direct wealth tax, should also be on the radar. What will be the personal exemption amount effective in January of 26? Well, the step-in basis and data with death will be in place. The wealth tax concept at the federal level does not seem to have a broad support needed to gain traction in a divided government but a case now before the U.S. Supreme Court could curtail efforts even to create one. The wealthy should also pay close attention to what is happening within states that they reside, where they'll also be realistic that the broad support needed to move the idea. Increased taxes on homes over a certain value, for example, are a popular target. Expanding the type of tax on other assets, investments, businesses, other real estate may not be, be part of that huge leap, But we may still continue to hear discussion about it. In fact, the capital gains tax here in the state of Washington. And then details are key to the state-level wealth taxes. With the passage of the Massachusetts Millionaire's Tax, folks earning in excess of $1 million of taxable income pay an additional 4% income tax on that excess However, they also passed a state charitable deduction on certain types of income as one example of an opportunity in order to reduce taxes. So wealth taxes are certainly an unfair tax, in my opinion, as most pay taxes throughout their entire lives, only to be taxed again at death. Some amount of wealth will likely be exempt from the tax and if the step-up and basic provision remains in place, they'll be able to shelter some of their wealth from the state and income taxes. But this is a very broad topic. It's garnered lots of media attention for good reason. It's too early to tell whether a typical wealth tax will be passed in the United States. But we do believe the cons definitely outweigh the pros and that there are better, more efficient ways for the government to raise revenue. Dick Donahue with you at Wealth Wake Up. We'll be right back.
3: Why West Edge Credit Union? Because they're all about the community. Of course, I like that West Edge has low interest rates and loan specials. But what I really love is that West Edge partners with local nonprofit and City of Bellingham organizations. Plus, they put on events like Community Shred, and they talk to me like I'm a real person, not an account number. West Edge really cares.
0: Join West Edge Credit Union today. West Edge is federally insured by NCUA. West Edge Credit Union, on the corner of James and Alabama, in Bellingham. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Hey guys, did you know there's a generic form of Viagra that works just the same but is 95% cheaper and you can get it online? Go to himscom slash joy. Through Hymns, you'll get a free medical consultation, discreet shipping if prescribed, and the process is 100% online. To start your free online visit, go to Hymns.com slash joy. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash J-O-Y. Progressive presents Precious Moments.
3: Nothing beats driving cross-country in our RV.
1: This is so much fun, Dad. I don't even need to look at my phone.
3: It's not the destination. It's it's the the journey. journey. Jinx! (laughs)
0: The exchange you just heard didn't actually happen, but it could. Bundle your home and other vehicles with Progressive, and you could use the savings to make sure that RV is always ready to hit the road. Who knows, your teenager might actually put down her phone for five minutes. It could happen. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Not available in all states. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it. Bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news. All while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns. And that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station.
2: Because there ain't no doubt I love
0: this land. God bless the U.S.
1: Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up, Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning. Got questions for me? Give me a call, 360-733-1200. You know, I get questions every now and then about will getting married, for example, one of them hurt my retirement plan? You And tying the knot in later years can have big financial impacts. You need to understand the facts before you set that date. You know, many couples nearing retirement wonder if their retirement plans will be adversely affected by marriage. Most would agree that this probably shouldn't be the first consideration in deciding about marriage. It should start with, do I want to spend the rest of my life with this person? However, it becomes a valid consideration after addressing more significant concerns. So below are some of the financial items to consider before making it official. Number one are taxes. The three most important tax brackets for retirees include your ordinary income tax bracket, your qualified dividend and long-term capital gains brackets, and the impact on your Medicare, or what we call Irma taxes, I-R-M-A-A. Some couples can experience significant tax savings within the married filing jointly tax brackets, while others may not notice substantial difference. If one spouse is under 65 qualifies for health care tax credit, it's worth comparing the impact on your plan if you delay marriage until both are 65 versus marrying immediately. Then there's a question about non-investment income. Social Security and most pensions have a survivorship component. For example, in Social Security, if the spouse with a higher benefit passes away first, the surviving spouse receives the higher Social Security benefit. However, If the higher earner passes away before marriage, the survivor receives a lower benefit. So, that's something to think about. You get married, so a spouse or a new spouse will get the higher benefit, something to think about. There's also gap years. Typically the period between retirement and when required minimum distributions or RMDs start from your tax-deferred accounts, offering opportunities to capitalize on low tax brackets. If you have different retirement years, delaying marriage might benefit you, allowing for an early start to strategies that might implement during those years, such as the Roth conversions, which I'm going to spend a whole bunch of time here in a minute talking about Roth conversions, and also realizing long-term capital gains. So in conclusion, marriage and retirement are two critical decisions that can lead to significant anxiety. Working through different scenarios with a financial planner can provide peace of mind after understanding the pros and cons of your various options regarding your financial plan. So definitely something that you should sit down and consider. Okay, I'm going to talk about 2024 Guide to Roth Conversions. You know, if you have a traditional IRA, you may want to start thinking about converting all or some of it to a Roth. Here's what you need to know about difference between the two how taxes work in a conversion, and other factors that you want to consider. First of all, you have an IRA versus a Roth. Before diving deeper into Roth conversions, it's critical to understand the fundamental differences between a traditional and a Roth. A traditional IRA offers tax-deductible contributions, meaning that you can typically deduct your contributions from your income in the year that you ta- make them. However, When you withdraw the funds in retirement, you pay income taxes on the distributions. You must begin withdrawing funds in a regular IRA today at age 73 and even if you don't need it. In contrast, a Roth IRA. Contributions are made with after-tax dollars, which means you don't get the tax deduction up front, but the significant upside is the earnings grow tax-free. You can make tax-free withdrawals in retirement provided that you meet some of the qualifying conditions. Therefore, the choice between a traditional and a Roth often comes down to when you prefer to pay taxes, now or later, and how you anticipate your future tax rate is going to compare to your current rate. But what if you can have the best of both worlds? What if you could get the tax deduction in years when you are in a high-income bracket and then still have tax-free growth later? This is where Roth conversions come into play. By understanding the tax benefits, employing smart timing, and incorporating a multi-year tax forecast into your strategy, you can potentially save a significant amount of money over the long term. Again, I mention this quite often. We have software where we can help model these conversions for you. So how do Roth conversions work? Well, it involves transferring assets from a traditional SEP IRA, simple IRA to a Roth IRA. It's typically a taxable event, meaning you'll owe taxes on the amount converted. However, once the money's in the Roth, it goes tax-free, can be withdrawn tax-free at retirement. And the process is fairly straightforward. The real magic is in forecasting your current and future tax rates to determine if and when it should be done and how much to convert. So here, let's talk a little bit about what the process entails. You need to choose the amount to convert. You need to decide how much money you want to move from your traditional IRA to your Roth, how to calculate this. We'll talk about that in a minute. You need to initiate the conversion. Contact your financial institution to start the process. Pay taxes. Report the amount that you convert to income for the year that you pay the converted, paying the necessary taxes. This can be done from the converted amounts or from outside sources. And again, we would recommend outside sources. So, why do I like do a conversion and pay taxes now? Well, to illustrate the financial benefits of Roth conversion, you need to consider three scenarios. Each scenario there are some assumptions, but let's say you have one hundred thousand dollars in a traditional IRA. Your current federal tax rate is 24%, which could be the case in the period between retirement and collecting Social Security. You expect to be in a 32% bracket in retirement, perhaps due to required minimum distributions from a large 401k or defired compensation packages. Your capital gains rate is going to be 15% throughout analysis. The growth rate is the IRA is 7%, and you plan to retire in 20 years. So scenario one, if you did not do a Roth conversion, with that traditional IRA, it's going to be worth $100,000 at 7%, it's going to be worth over 20 years, about $386,968. But when you withdraw this in retirement, you're going to get taxed on your future rate. In this case, we've said as high as 32%. You would owe somewhere around $124,000 in taxes. So the amount that you'd have after tax would be about $263,000. But let's say you did that Roth conversion today, you convert that $100,000, uh, you pay, You got now you got a 24, 24% tax bracket, you got a $24,000 tax bill. If you're under 59 and a half, you also can have an additional 10% penalty or another $2,400. But after paying the tax, your Roth will go tax free. In 20 years, you're going to have $294,000. However, if you don't pay any taxes upon withdrawal, since it's a Roth, you have that full 294,000 compared to the 263,000 that you had in the first place. That's 11.8% more than leaving it in that traditional IRA, even more than the tax difference due to the compounding of tax-free earnings. This example illustrates how understanding your current and future tax rates, along with the power of tax-free growing of a Roth, can lead to significantly higher long-term mon- savings. Your third option or scenario, Roth conversion today, pay taxes the outside source. Amazing, it's an even better way if you're able to pay the taxes with outside money. Let's assume everything that we had above, you now have to pay a tax from taxable account that you assume is as being taxed at capital gains rate at 15%. So now you have the no Roth conversion scenario, you would have a total of $386,000 if you paid the tax from another source. So you've removed $24,000 of taxes from other money and the growth on that the 7% would be about 76,000. So the net, you would have about $310,000 if you paid money from other sources versus taking it out of the IRA. That's again, a pretty significant difference because we had, 263,000, we had 294,000 before, now we've got a total of 310,000. That's 18.1% more than you had if you left it in that traditional IRA. Another advantage of conversion is the Roth IRAs are not subject to required minimum distribution. So when you hit that age 73, you don't have to take that money out. Also the Roth IRA passes tax-free to whoever inherits the money if there's money left in the end. So there's importance of multi-year forecasting you need to take a look at your Roth conversion strategy with a clear understanding that your current and future tax liabilities are gonna be driving in the dark without headlights. You may wanna reach your destination, but the risks are high. So it's important that you understand where you're going. It also doesn't hurt if we sit there and we try to identify lower tax income years and try to take advantage of Roth conversions during those years. The other strategy we use a lot is we look at tax brackets or what we call bracket filling. This involves converting just enough from your traditional IRA to your Roth each year to fill up your current tax bracket. So for example, if you're in a 12% bracket, but we're gonna push you over into the 22% bracket, we won't go above what that 22% bracket is, or we use up all your 12%. This is something that we can do. So it takes some strategic tax planning. You need to identify your lower income years and look at bracket filling strategies, there are some in mitigating impacts of RMDs if you're approaching the age where RMDs kick off. Uh, again, depending on your income, we talked earlier about getting married and considering that. There's also some risks of Roth conversions. Um... Basically, you get tax free growth, but uh, you also have what we call the pro rata rule and the unpredictability of future tax rates. So, more than likely, though, I think you're going to find that tax rates are going to be higher than they are today, and doing that Roth conversion probably is beneficial. I'll give you more information, but we're out of time. Thanks for listening. Don't forget our live show next Saturday at 11. If you got a question for me? Give me a call 360 733 1200.
3: On this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.